You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. It is Titans Week, which means we will get you set for Colts-Titans on Sunday. Possibly, we'll discuss this here in one second, the division on the line here with this big Week 7 game. Lane Bishop, now friend of the pod who jumped in to preview the Week 4 game between the Colts and Titans, will make a repeat performance with Colts fans. If you're superstitious, that is a good thing. Marcel Robinson of the Jags. Uh, or the Jacks Up podcast, I should say, joined us twice. First time the Colts lost, second time the Colts won. Now, same sort of situation here with Blaine. We'll see if he can bring some of that same magic for the Colts that Marcel did bring last week. We will try, George, to predict the Colts accurately here. I, we've only predicted the Colts one time, the, the winner on Sunday correctly, and that was the free space game, as you like to say, back in week two, Colts-Jaguars. Otherwise, we've been dead wrong about this team every single week. They are impossible to read. So as we go into a pivotal game against the Titans, George, what is your confidence at least that you know what kind of Colts team will show up on Sunday? Whether you think they'll play good or play bad, we've had a tough time putting a finger on this team. Is there any sort of clarity one-third of the way through the year? I really don't think there is. I think that's still the the, the biggest overwhelming theme with this team is every week is a new season, and you're just kind of waiting to see what this season looks like. Last week, the season went pretty well. This week, Whole new ball game, whole new team. Uh, it, it just, it really has been no carryover at all. I feel like from one week to another this year. Whatever the opposite of Groundhog Day would be, that's what it feels mm-hmm. like this cold season has been. Every single day you wake up, and every single day it's like a, a brand new team. Whether it's offensively, whether it's offensively, it is just boy, oh boy, it has been a. a cr- very busy season, we'll say at least so far. Not a dull moment in, in Colts land here for the first six games of the season. But we mentioned off the top, George, Titans week is always pivotal because right now this rivalry has flipped of late. Titans have won four in a row and five out of the last six, including, again, their week four matchup in Indy. I know it's only week seven, right? This is only the seventh game of the season the Colts are playing it, and only the sixth for, for the Titans. So still a, a massive way to go in the season. But as you head into this week seven matchup in Tennessee, do you feel like whoever does win this game will win the division at the end of the year? It feels that way, and it's hard to say um, because there is so much time left in the year. Uh, and I think the division's tighter than it's been in a while. I do think that the Colts and the, and the Titans are the two best teams, but I think the Jaguars and Texans are closer to them than they have been You know, most of the past four or five years, uh, except for that one year where, where Jacksonville went to the AFC championship game, which is still... The, the outlier of all outliers in, in the AFC South. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there's there's going to be bumps in the road, obviously, ahead for whoever wins. But it just feels like either Tennessee's got a, a sweep, which would be huge to have in their back pocket going the rest of the way, or the Colts finally get a split and finally slay this dragon. And I think either way, that's such a big win. Uh, and, and it would set that team up, you know, at the top of the division. And, and it'll be theirs to lose at that point. I'm with you, and there's still so much that could happen, right? Injury-wise, just poor play-wise. We've seen the Colts go into a spiral. We've also seen the Colts rise out of the ashes out of seemingly nowhere and, you know, play some red-hot football down the stretch in in October and November and even December as well. But I'm with you. I I do think the winner of this game on Sunday will win the division. 
in large parts, if you're the Colts, you win this game. You go to 4-2-1. and one, You get a much-needed split with Tennessee, so they don't have the tiebreaker there. You look at this Tennessee team where it doesn't feel like this is as true of a contender like they have been the past few years. Derrick Henry is not, you know, prime Derrick Henry. They're dealing with injuries. They're dealing with talent loss like A.J. Brown getting traded uh, in the offseason. So they're just not as good of a team as they have been the last two years. And if you are able to get that that much-needed split, and then also, too, you save your division hopes by going 2-2-1 two, two, and one through the first five games of the division compared to now if you lose your 1-3-1. and one, Like you said, if Tennessee has the season tiebreaker, if they win on Sunday, you have the season tiebreaker, you have the Colts being 1-3-1 and one in the division, the best they possibly could be at that point with their Week 18 matchup against the, the Texans that they wouldn't be 2-3-1. and one. So you're looking at a massive hole that you'd have to overcome that I just can't feel good about the Colts doing, especially if you lose to this team coming off of their best offensive performance of the season against Jacksonville last week. I'm with you. This is either one of those games where you win if you're the Colts and you are in the driver's seat and should ride that to the rest of through the rest of the season and win the division. Or if you lose, it's kind of the same old, same old with those Colts where they give you reason to believe. And then when it truly gets down to those pivotal games like we've seen in the past few years, especially kind of even going back to last year, they just can't get over the hump. Mm. No, I think that's especially in Tennessee. You know, right, I, well, with right. Tennessee, I mean, they, they keep losing these these sort of head-to-head battles with the Titans. And before that, there were a couple with the Texans where it felt just like this. The winner's going to win the division. Houston came into Indy and won a couple big games and, and won the division those years. Now it's Tennessee. Uh, the last two years it's been Tennessee. They've lost those games. Here it is again, a chance right in front of you. You got to go down to Nashville. You got to find a way to win the game. If you do, you're going to be the team to beat in the in the division the rest of the way. If you don't, like you said, the uphill battle I think becomes a little too much because you're not going to win any tiebreakers. You, you've lost the head-to-head. You, like you said, you're probably going to lose the division record tiebreaker at that point. So I, I think you're – if you lose on Sunday and you're the Colts, you've, you've bitten off too much to chew. Tennessee's in a little bit different situation because it's just their second division game. They've got a lot still ahead of them. They could lose this game, theoretically still finish 5-1 and one in the division. So I think they're in better shape if they don't win the game. But I still think there's a psychological advantage there. You know, they didn't get it done. They had a chance to put it away, and they didn't get it done. That, that would linger. And if you look at their schedule, they've got they've got some tough games coming up. You know, some of the games the Colts have already been through, like Kansas City, for instance, still on that Tennessee schedule. And also, too, George, for like the first time in a long time, like I'm just sick of, especially as a fan, sick of having other teams try to help the Colts out. You know, like that, that's especially the last few years when the Colts have got to the slow start. That's what you're doing. You're scoreboard watching, seeing, oh, who's Tennessee playing? Let's root for, you know, in instances last year, root for the Texans to beat the Titans. Or you just need other teams to help you out where, like, this is an opportunity for the first time in a long time to take control of your own destiny you win in week seven and now it is like you said your path to win the division and i would say it would be you know disappointment at that point if you don't come out on on top at the end of the year texas and jaguars are are way tougher like you mentioned in the last few years with that said do i think that the texans are a true contender for the division absolutely not and saying the jaguars like they're two and four they got to a nice start they blasted the chargers you kind of think oh maybe this is a, a legitimate jaguars team now this showed you kind of that youth and inexperience is kind of, you know, it's rearing its ugly head in Jacksonville. Where it's going to be kind of a roller coaster, I think, all year. It'll be better than it happened in the past few years, but that still doesn't equate, I think, at least to being, you know, a true division contender this year, at least. So again, it's coming down to the Colts and, and Titans. And again, right, if you can split here for the Colts and actually be in control of your own destiny for the division for the first time in a long time, Colts have not been in that position. And it would be a, a huge relief to just worry about yourself. 
Right? You know, you don't have to worry any other games, no tiebreakers. Just worry about yourself. Take care of your own business going forward. And you should be in a, in a good spot if any of you are looking up being that uh, AC South champion and getting that home playoff game as well. So if the ja- uh, if the Colts, excuse me, are going to win in Tennessee, George, for the first time since 2020, we saw Philip Rollers on, a, on, I believe, a short week on Thursday night go into Tennessee and win. How are the Colts going to do it? Is it going to be the same schedule uh, or the same recipe, I should say, as Sunday when they threw the ball 58 times? Uh, in order to be the Jaguars, there's a kind of a, a combination, you think, uh, of run and pass. Like we've kind of seen this Colts offense try to do for the most part before uh, before that Jacksonville game. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I think they're going to have to keep some element of that quick passing game in, in the offense. Whether it's, you know, the tempo that, that, that they ran with in Jacksonville as often, I don't know if you're going to see that. Uh, but I do think that that, that shotgun look, getting the ball out quick, spreading the ball around, that has to stay. No matter whether they're huddling or not, no matter whether they're rushing the line of scrimmage or not, I feel like that's something that they're going to need to do to, to just have any kind of success with this offense this year. Uh, the, I think the interesting element coming in right now is at least on Thursday, and we'll see how this goes, uh, it appears that Jonathan Taylor may be back uh, after a two-week absence. I know when the media walked into the locker room on, on Thursday, Naheem Hines was serenading him with welcome back. That seemed Ooh, like a pretty that's good, a good sign, sign, you know, good sign. Um, but, you know, if, if learn anything around this league, you take nothing for granted. It looks that like could he's, be just he's on track. Evil gamesmanship. That's also oh, true. That would be next level. <laughs> <laughs> or unbridled optimism. Um, oh, but, so you know, <laughs> either way, uh, things look to be on track for him. He said he's feeling really good. Uh, and obviously, if he's back, you're going to want him more involved than the run game was on Sunday against Jacksonville. But I think you've got to be careful not to overdo that, especially on early downs. I think that's the biggest thing. We've been talking for a while now, throw to set up the run. And a lot of that, what we're saying is don't run on first down and put yourself in second and nine and second and ten, you know, every every possession. Um, I think they've got to avoid that. And so does Matt Ryan need to throw the ball 58 times to beat Tennessee? No, that that's probably not necessarily the recipe, uh, but I do think they need to, to continue using being a pass first team and using that quick pass game in particular. I'm with you hundred percent. Like uh, Frank Reich, right. And his five years here has preached balance. He is repeatedly saying he wants to, you know, run the ball and pass the ball and kind of basically always keep the defense guessing. He doesn't want any tendencies to be kind of figured out easy by the defense where, Hey, they're going to pass more all the time or, or run more all the time. They want to be balanced down the middle. But I thought he also made an interesting point this week when it comes to this matchup specifically. And he said that, you know, the balance is a season, you know, worth of balance. Each week, it does depend kind of matchup based where, hey, if the Colts need to throw the ball, say 50 times, they'll do so. Like we just saw it in Jacksonville. They threw the ball 58 times. Frank Reich was not really too worried about mixing the run in the pass. And I think this week, like you said, 58 times, probably not, but 40 times, bare minimum, I think it is going to have to be the passing number for, for Matt Ryan here. Again, Parker, it's just matchup dependent. Like you look at the, the Titans, the Titans are the worst pass defense in the NFL. Now you can make the argument that look, when the Colts and Titans met in uh, week four for the first time, the Titans were the worst rush defense in the NFL at that time. And the Colts ran for, you know, or Jonathan Taylor's ran for 42 yards and they got nothing going on the ground. So you can say, well, you know, when the Titans come in as the worst blank, whatever, the Colts cannot, you know, exploit that weakness. But this has to be a game where you kind of mirror what you did last week at Jacksonville where you have to throw the ball a ton, where you have to throw the ball, like you mentioned, to set up the run. If Jonathan Taylor's back, that's a huge boost for, for the Colts for sure. 
With that said, though, the return of him should not really impact the game plan too much. It still has to be, I think, a large carbon copy of what you did in Jacksonville. Like you mentioned, are you going to run no huddle offense every single drive? Probably not. But I think it should be still used way more than they have up till last week, for sure. Like You have to mix it in a good amount. And like I said, are you going to throw the ball 58 times? Probably not. Not to that extreme, but 40, 45 times. I think bare minimum, you have to be throwing the ball because you have to be able to take advantage of what the uh, other team's weaknesses is. And for this specific matchup against Tennessee, they cannot stop the pass to save their life right now. And I wonder, you know, you go back to the opener against Houston and, and it was their best running game of the year. A lot of that came in the fourth quarter when they were in a hurry up offense and they were running out of a spread spread set. You know, they were in a shotgun, spread that defense out, got them on their heels, and then they were running at them with Jonathan Taylor. I think that's something that you should see on Sunday as well. I mean, to me, that's the best we've seen of Jonathan Taylor all year. I think you can catch the defense in some run-friendly looks that way, and you can also get them a little bit off guard. You can get them kind of almost lulled to sleep with that quick passing game, and they start thinking that's what you're doing, and then all of a sudden you give it to, to Taylor up the middle, and, and he's shown the ability to break one. So you know, I, I think it can help the run game without changing the game plan all that drastically. Another part of the run game, Georgia, we saw especially on Sunday against the Jaguars, is a short passing game. Like Deion Jackson caught 10 passes out of the backfield, right? Short passes, screens, just, you know, little dump offs. It's an extension of the run game. Same thing with Jonathan Taylor. Like he has good hands. He's able to, you know, he's shifty, obviously in space. And that's been the biggest struggle for the Colts right now is getting him in space where he can show off that speed and power and burst and ability to make the first defender miss. You can extend um, the run game by, you know, again, throwing the ball, targeting him six, eight, ten times, maybe including Naeem Hines in there as well. Like That's another area you could take advantage of and just put in like we've been talking about all season long, George, put your best players in a position to succeed. The Colts absolutely cannot get any sort of push established in their week four matchup. I don't think it's going to be that much better. Like They should be able to run the ball a little bit better, especially now when you saw an offensive line that is starting to you know build some cohesion. And I thought even last week the stats were not that great running rise, but I thought they ran the ball when they had to and converted for the first time this season. So still, like it, you have ways where you can get John Taylor the ball and have him make plays, but it should be, like I said, still for the most part here, a pass-heavy offense to take advantage of a very, very weak Titan secondary. And they got to give Matt Ryan time. I mean, the biggest stat yes. on Sunday was was zero sacks. You know, 58 dropbacks, zero sacks, a pretty remarkable number. Uh, that's that's how Tennessee is going to get to you. That's how they got to him in the first meeting, sacks and turnovers. You know, the Colts lose that game by a touchdown. They turn the ball over three times. I believe Matt Ryan was sacked four or five times in that game. You know, you you can't – that can't happen again. That's why I go back to that quick passing game. You know, they may not have time to really – attack downfield the way maybe some other teams can against this this Tennessee team but I think they do have time to do what they did against the Jaguars on Sunday get that ball out fast get it in Michael Pittman's hands let him make plays after the catch let Paris Campbell make plays after the catch and then take a shot here and there with Alec Pierce you know when you want to go deep uh, and also you know you mentioned Jonathan Taylor he broke a couple last year in, in the past game he, he's a guy that you know he can take one of those 60 or 70 yards We've been talking about not having that quick strike ability. He can do that in the passing game as well. And especially, I'm glad you brought the quick passing game because, right, like we saw a majority really outside of the Alec Pierce touchdown pass, almost all of Matt Ryan's pass attempts for the most part were short to intermediate routes. Um, but you look at the Colts, like that's also with their receivers and tight ends, not the worst thing in the world. Michael Pittman Jr. is a, is a big physical wide receiver. Jelani Woods, Mo Alley Cox are two 
physically imposing tight ends. You have Alec Pierce now really starting to kind of show you, you know, or start to feel, I guess, comfortable in his body. He's winning one-on-one matchups. He's using his size. He's a, you know, tough guy where he can take a hit. Like, the Colts have a lot of physical big-body receivers where they can win in those tight windows. You don't have, you know, you don't need to be 50 yards down the field wide open for the Colts to convert. Just hit them, you know, hit them in the targets and just kind of continue what you did on uh, on Sunday. And you mentioned the tight ends. They were huge in the first meeting against yeah. Tennessee. Uh, a lot of uh, throws over the middle to them. Uh, I think against Jacksonville, a lot of that over the middle stuff went to, to Campbell and, and Pittman. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that mix works, you know, on Sunday. But you know, maybe it's it's taking what they did last time against Tennessee and mixing the wide receivers into it as well, and you know, really just trying to flood the middle of that field with targets for Matt Ryan. And another huge key for this game, George, we were saying it literally all season long, but I think it rings true, especially in this game. You can't beat yourself. Like, we've talked about it since that week four game against Tennessee. Coming out of the game, it, it feels more like the Colts lost that game compared to the Titans winning it. When you're up 24-3 to in the first half, and the Titans look by far, you know, intimidating. They were dominating the game, and all of a sudden, they're kind of holding on for dear life. And each of the three times, especially in the fourth quarter, and the Colts got it to one touchdown, they had a chance to take the lead. It's a penalty. It's a fumble. It's a missed field goal. It's a sack. And next thing you know, you, you can't score no touchdown. You lose. But a lot of it is self-imposed issues. Like you mentioned, they had three turnovers. They had, I believe it was three sacks on Matt Ryan, seven penalties. If you clean up your own mistakes, and they did that against Jacksonville, you're winning this game. You're winning mm-hmm. this, this game, especially when you look at how bad the Titans have been in the second half. I mean, George, they're outscored. the Titans are being outscored through five games, 71-14 to 14 in the second half. Colts fans, we saw it on uh, week four. You saw it in person, George, in that game. They had one first down in the second half. That's it. Couldn't do anything. You got to be able just to not beat yourself. And I go back to, you know, that that beating yourself kind of situation. The last three drives the Colts had in that game, down one score, 24 to 17. You get inside the 30 on all three of them. One of them is undone by a fumble that they recovered that, became a sack that was an awful, awful play. But they end up, I think, punting from Tennessee's 39 or something like that. It was a yes. ridiculous situation. Yes. The next one is undone when Jonathan Taylor fumbles. He never fumbles. Fumbles on third and two, and they lose and that. And may have been stuffed, by the way. Possession. If he kept the may ball, I don't think he even got the first down. They probably were going to have to go for it on fourth down or kick field goal. And the third one is you know, a sack that that ends up forcing a, a long 51-yard field goal that they miss. So you can't – those were self-inflicted things. Two fumbles, one they lost, one that just killed the drive, two sacks, one that, you know, helped in the drive in and of itself, and the other one that led to a, a missed field goal. Three trips inside the other team's 30 in a game you're trailing by seven, and you get zero points. That's When we're saying don't beat yourself, that's the epitome of it right there. If you've got those kind of situations, finish these drives. But, you know, it, it's simple stuff. And it's it's been that way, I feel like, all year long except for last year. They get into a situation. They have a chance to make a play. Somebody misses an assignment. Somebody misses, you know, something physically, whatever it may be. And you turn the ball over or you put yourself way behind the chains. It's so simple. And it's just so frustrating because like, we sound like a broken record, George. It's like every week, every, we just don't beat yourself, don't beat yourself, and this team can win way more games than they should. This is a matchup where especially is don't beat yourself and you should win. The Titans, the one thing they don't do, beat themselves. We, we talk about just that matchup. Colts had three turnovers. Titans had zero. 
Like they held on for sure for dear life, but also they put themselves in a position to win because they didn't they didn't give the Colts any uh, extra opportunities. They didn't give them any short fields or, or momentum changing plays. They just held on to the ball. Ryan Tannehill took care of it. Derrick Henry took care of it, and they were able to just at the end make enough winning plays where the Colts, like you mentioned, could not close out that game to save their life. But also, too, it's fascinating, George, when it comes to the Titans matchup as always, right? It always revolves around Derrick Henry and his ability to get going, and he's he is the, always the catalyst for the Titans. It's interesting because when you look at the second half stat I just threw out there, the 71-4 to team being outscored in the second half, I think the more surprising part of that stat, George, is the 14 on the Titans. Because especially to the last few years, this has been an offense that's always been slow starting. Right? Derrick Henry usually traditionally takes a while to kind of get going first quarter. You know, you can kind of get him and kind of keep him contained second quarter for the most part. But it feels like after halftime, all of a sudden, this guy just turns into beast mode. And next thing you know, you can hold him like 40 yards in the first half. You look up, you know, late in the fourth quarter, and he's like 140, 150 yards with two touchdowns. He has always been the king of kind of grinding out defenses. And this year, it's not been the case. Like, this offense just can't. They like, have two touchdowns in the second half. And Derrick Henry's, if anything, getting off to hot starts and can't finish. It's it's bizarre that this year, the, uh, the offense for Tennessee, especially Derrick Henry, you know, on the ground, has flipped upside down. We saw that in person too, you know, in, yeah. in that first meeting. He had 99 yards in the first half. Looked like he was going to go for one of those epic days that, 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 you know, they talk about for years. And then he had 15 yards total in the second half. So um, you can't count on it continuing, but it's definitely something you've got to keep your eye on. And I think what it points to is for the first time all year, the Colts need a fast start. And if they can get out, we were talking about this before we went on the air. If, if they get a halftime lead, which would, by the way, be their first of the season, you would be really good about, about where they're at. You know, if you can go out there and get off to a hot start, get a lead early, or at least not be down by 21 entering the <laughs> third quarter, like they were a year ago or you know, two weeks ago. Um, that that's a key. I, I really think the first half is going to be the key because you feel like there's going to be opportunities in the second. And the Colts have been a very good second half team all year long, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's just those first two and sometimes the third quarter where they let the game get away from them. I mean, look, you take the the Titans' first half team, the Colts' second half team, I, this might be the best team in the NFL yeah. with how dominant Titans are in the first half, how good the Colts are in the second half. I don't know if anyone – the Bills, the Eagles, they might not be able to beat this team for sure. <laughs> but, like, you're – and that's part of the reason, George, when we go back to how this team needs to play an offense is to start this game, to win this game. And I think it goes back to why you have to still be pass first – because you got to take advantage of this, you know, weak Tennessee defense. You can't, or secondary, you can't give them any sort of breath of life if you do try to run the ball early and have no success. In part, because, right, a fast start is so imperative to where if you can even just be tied, just don't get down 24 to 3. Like the bar is so low for this team in this matchup for them to win the game in the first half. Just come out and just even throw the first punch. God forbid you, you take a, a first half lead, score the first touchdown. Like you really kind of could win the game. You could win the game in the first quarter. Honestly, like if you could play clean, maybe score first quarter touchdown. This team is built right now in the second half, and the Titans are so bad in the second half that you you could win this game early on in the game. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. I, the only time I could remember them scoring first was Houston. Uh, they might have scored first against Kansas City. They didn't get the first because touchdown. of the, the fumble. They went like three and out mm -hmm. or whatever. Maybe one first down. Sky Moore fumbles the punt. And that's how the Colts, you know, get that short field. Otherwise, I think that was, I think that was it. Ah, so I mean, it's, it, that's where you're at, though. You know, it, I think twice this year that they've scored first, and most of the time they haven't scored till the other team had ten or seventeen or twenty. So, um, 
You, know, you can't do that against Tennessee. I mean, of all the teams, you can't really do it against anybody, uh, but especially Tennessee. I mean, they're the team that, that that's what they feast on. You hand them things. And I think the Colts gave them two short fields early in that game. I, I feel like I, I have a memory of them giving up about 14 points to the Titans on turnovers in that game. Yeah. That just cannot happen because that's, that's what Mike Vrabel's waiting for you to do. He's going to hang around. He's going to, you know, play tough physical football. He's going to lean on you the whole day. And as soon as you cough something up and, and hand them an opening, and if you go back to this four-game winning streak, Tennessee's very rarely blown the Colts out. These have mostly been close games. One score games, I think the last three, definitely the last two, you've got to be on your P's and Q's in this game. You've got to protect the football. You've got to protect the quarterback, and you've got to not get an outrageous number of penalties it sounds so simple, but it, honestly, in probably at least four of the six weeks, the Colts haven't done it. And that's part of the reason why when we go, when I, you know, kind of jokingly ask you, like, do you feel confident about what Colts team is going to show up this week? That's part of, like, the, the confusion and, and the why this team is so hard to pin down and why we are just one in five in our picks is because you don't know which Colts team is going to show up and you expect them to play well. They don't. When you write them off, of course, that's when they, you know, have their Rudy moment, rally around Frank Reich and go win the game. You don't expect them to win. It is just, it's always so backwards. This is a game where like we're laying it out. Like, I don't feel like we're being unfair to Tennessee, by the way. I don't think we're being homers, Georgia, and trying to make it seem like, oh, the Colts should, as long as they beat, you know, don't beat themselves and don't do anything outrageous, they should win this game. Like, I think it's, I think we're being right. Like you see Tennessee, you see the way this first game went. You see how Tennessee plays the rest of the season so far. It's not a world-beating Tennessee team. It's not the same Titans team that went to the AC title game in 2019 and, you know, has dominated this conference or division, let's say, the last two years. This is a vulnerable team that is out there for the taking. Colts got to finish a job. Couldn't do it in week four. You got to be able to finish a job here, deliver the first punch, put them out of their misery early, and just finish the game in the second half. This has to be one of those games. In fairness to Tennessee, you know, they're beat up. You know, Taylor Lewan's out, their left tackle. They, they've been trying to rotate people around the on, on the defensive line. They lost Harold Landry before the season began. Probably their best pass rusher. They still have a good front front four without him. Uh, but with him, they're that much more dangerous. And then, you know, I'll, you'll never get me to understand the A.J. Brown trade. That, to me, is still the biggest head-scratcher of, of the offseason. Um, that's why that's not the same Tennessee team, you know, take those three guys or guys of that caliber off any team. They're not going to be as dangerous as they were the year before. But I think what makes them so dangerous in this matchup is Mike Vrabel. You know, they're, he's going to go out there and they're going to be consistent and they're not going to beat themselves. And, and, and that's why we keep, you know, we keep hammering that home. That's why it's such a simple situation for the Colts. You can't make the kind of mistakes that you've made so many times this year. And, it was absolutely the difference in that first game. You go back to that game, the turnovers, the sacks, not finishing drives in the fourth quarter. That's why the Titans came out of there with a win and the, and the Colts were saddled with another loss. A hundred percent. It's the football is very simple when you, we can just simplify it and make it easy. Like you said, the, the Titans, their, their formula is very easy. Just run the ball. Don't beat yourself and basically take advantage of the other team's mistakes. The Colts have done that for sure. And like you mentioned before, it's just, Vrabel is a very, very, very good coach, and the Titans are banged up, but even more the reason why the Colts need to take advantage of getting healthy at the right time. Obviously, we don't know about Shaquille Leonard. We'll see, but even if he doesn't play, you should have Jonathan Taylor back. You should have, have Naeem Hines back. Like The Colts 
are the healthier team and relatively have been pretty healthy so far for the most part of the season. And especially against this Titans team, like you mentioned. So just another reason to add on top of why the Colts not only need to, should win this game in Tennessee going forward. So me and George have given our thoughts for the game. Let's go behind enemy lines on the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. Blaine Bishop will join us, kind of give us his view on the Titans so far through five games. And if he's nervous or feeling confident, this is a Titans game they'll win. We'll discuss with Blaine when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. All right, time to go behind enemy lines. A voice that is very familiar, Colts fans. That is Blaine Bishop, former Pro Bowl Titans defensive back, and now does a great job on 104.5 The Zone out there in Nashville. Back with us here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Blaine, I'm glad we didn't scare you off the first time. Thanks so much for uh, making a repeat performance here. Oh, man, in short window time, right? You know, <laughs> three weeks, man. So, hey, man. <laughs> When I played, I did not like playing teams this close. It would, I was always paranoid about it because I felt like they're not, they have to do something else different. There's no way they're going to, they're going to try to stump me. You know, they're going to do some play action pass. They, you know, they know what I like to do and what my tendencies are uh, immediately. And then uh, once the game started, it was all out the window. <laughs> That's actually interesting. Like, as a former player, especially like the Colts and Tides playing three weeks apart, does that give any team an advantage? Uh, I, I I don't I don't think so. But what I can say, because I love watching film, and I was a film guy all day long, and pretty much had a photographic memory. Soon they lined up, I knew the three plays they were going to run. I mean, so I watched the Colts. I think it gives them an actual advantage in this game because they finally figured out what makes Matty Ice tick, and that is dangerous. Because I thought. He was going to be better this, earlier in the season, and he hadn't been with the fumbles and interception, but the line wasn't playing very well. Well, now he's getting rhythm, quick passing game that eliminates the pass rush a little bit that the Titans have, uh, and they can run the ball, and they had the two top running backs missing, and then the receivers are growing up, you know, right, be, you know, at least the young one, uh, and then Pittman was already there. So I think he's hitting his rhythm and flow, and that's because he's doing no huddle, and who's under control when it's no huddle? The actual quarterback. So he's got control and autonomy uh, when he's out there. So I think that it gives them an advantage because that's hard to – you can't simulate that at practice. That's one of the things I was – kind of leads into my question. I, when you see a team, you know, go no huddle like that and they hadn't done it their first five weeks as a defensive player, are you expecting that again? Or, or you know, how do you prepare that, that week? Well, it was interesting. You know, Vrabel was asked that question yesterday, and he said you have to prepare for what they usually do you have to prepare for counter moves from what you usually do, and you have to prepare for the actual no huddle. And that's why I thought that actually is an advantage. And I don't know how long they'll do that, uh, but it, I think there were signs of them, you know, every time like right before half or something like that, they they look like a different team. And I think against the Titans, that's why I kind of remember that because I watched them on the bye week too, uh, that they did that and they moved the ball. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, people always move the ball because you're playing different defenses. No, it was different. It, it, it looked different. It was look like, man, this is like a well-oiled machine offense at that time. So compared to before where it kind of seems like it was a mixed bag. Uh, so uh, now things are coming together. And I think they're a better team, if you could say that, in a two-week window, now three weeks, once they play. I think they're a better team. So we shall see. I, I think this is going to be one of the Titans. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the, if the Colts actually got them. 
So, Blaine, especially as a former defensive player yourself, like we just mentioned, Colts fans have seen it all season long. The Colts offense right now, so far at least, they're the best they've played is in no huddle. So if the Colts do more the same on Sunday, they do, you know, run more huddle, let's say a normal offense in the NFL would. Defensively, is there anything, you know, that either in your playing days you see in the Titans run that could kind of maybe slow that down and counter it? Or is it kind of always in the offense's advantage when they're able to kind of move fast and not have the defense be able to substitute? Well, one thing it brings when you're an offensive team and you're doing the no huddle is as a defense, we have to declare what we're actually going to do because you don't know when they're going to snap the ball. So, you know, you have to declare if you're going to be playing zone, if you're going to be blitzing, you're going to play man to man. And it actually tells you your approach. And then you can then accordingly run your plays. And now, you know, you know exactly what we're doing. So if you want to play, you know, man to man, we're going to just blitz them. They go, okay, well, we're going to just, y'all going to play press, man. We're going to just throw the jump balls to our tall receivers, and we're going to see if we can make some plays, you know, or, or if you're going to play off and play zone, hey, man, we're going to run some quick hitting passing games, and we're going to go bang, 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 one, two, three, ball out. See, so, you know, even though we know that could happen as a defense, you it's hard to stop it, especially when you have a veteran quarterback like he is, and he's seen pretty much everything. That's why I kind of, I like him under control if I was a coach and doing more of that. I don't know if that's sustainable, though, because, you know, they're better players. And eventually teams are going to just start, you know, I'm a, we're just going to blitz you and they're going to have corners that can cover guys and say we're going to take our shots. And then next thing you know, same thing starts happening. So I think you got to mix it in. But to how much and where you are at the point where you're having success in one game to the next game, I think I think I would continue it as much as I could at least the next game. Yeah, Blaine, you came into the league uh, around the time probably the K-Gun was was starting to, to to die down a little bit in Buffalo, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, when, when they ran that version of no huddle, Thurman Thomas was such a big part of that. You know, they ran the mm-hmm. ball, too. It wasn't necessarily 58 passes. Do you think the Colts could work something in for Jonathan Taylor and maybe take some of that passing load off of Matt Ryan's shoulders? Well, I think, you know, the natural nature is they want to run the football with, you know, one of the better offensive linemen, at least the highest pay line. And then they implemented Kelly in there, a former Titan, who I called him the undertaker when he was here with the Titans because he kind of did a jack of all trades and he was real solid. You can't ever say he, he was great or anything like that, but he was solid. And I was stunned that they released him two years ago and they never really found that guy kind of he's a backup at both tackles and if you had to start for four or five games you felt like we kept everything in rhythm and everything kept it going and and you didn't miss a beat uh they don't have that guy now and they're trying to find that guy because they need him because the guys out there aren't playing as well so um you know you know going against the run and shoot you got to have tackles i I would say run and shoot i came in the league with the the oilers at the time with a run and shoot so i practiced against that every day and so i had to get comfortable and used to that and their tendencies and how they read off of what you do in your alignments and then you can change that as the ball snaps and that can cause confusion just showing your alignment and then change it at the last minute so disguise and deception was always key in those things but uh, running the football i think is always going to be a part of success in a national football league you got to be able to run as much as you want to throw it and it's a passing league now more so than run i think you have to be able to run the football when it comes to playoff time you have to have uh, at least a solid defense now to win and have success to take it all the way. And that was one of the areas the Colts in this first matchup really struggled with John Taylor, 42 yards on just 20 or on 20 carries. It was, it was tough sliding for the Colts in matchup number one, Blaine. And speaking of that game, look, the Titans raced out to a 24-3 lead in the first half. 
just got one first down in the second half, holding on for deal life as they won 24-17. As you look back to that week four game, is that a game where you feel like the Titans won the game or you kind of feel like more the Colts lost it? Well, I thought that the Titans got some breaks, so I thought it was I thought it was an even game. And I just think that the Titans kind of found a way to win it. Uh, that's kind of how I would phrase it. Uh, I, I didn't feel like they were better than the Colts or or that the Colts were better than them. I just thought the team who made the least amount of mistakes uh, was going to win that game. And and the Titans have had issues continually in the second half scoring points. Mm-hmm. They didn't it didn't change versus the Commanders. It they, it still continued. And there, there is somewhat of an advantage a little bit at halftime because you don't know what the team is adjusting to and you're up. Uh, that's the same thing that happened when I played. And when they come back out, you know, then they make their adjustments and then you have to adjust accordingly. And sometimes momentum swings. And once they make their adjustments, they start making plays. It kind of snowballs. And then by the time you're about to make that adjustments, it's kind of they're in rhythm and flow. So uh it'll be interesting i think this is going to be a nip and tuck game all the way through uh and i think the team with the 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 ball last going to win this game there's a really good chance of that it feels like it's been that way the last couple times in this series honestly Uh, i look at mike vrabel and i always think he gets the most out of his football teams i mean i just feel like they maximize you know that roster and they maximize their opportunities in a game how has he been off the bye week when he has extra time like this to prepare for a game? How do the Titans usually look? <laughs> it's funny, yes. I, I don't know the actual record. I want to say he's 4 0. It's something outrageous. He is very successful uh, after bye weeks. And it's because he's just that coach that is methodical to paying attention to details, gets the most out of his talent where you're a backup. He coaches everybody the same or you're a starter or all pro. Uh, so, and he's, you know, discipline is key. Uh, so I just, yeah, they, they usually play really well. Uh, but, uh, I, I think it's my own personal paranoia playing a team within a three week window that really gets me here. And it's just hard to beat a team twice. It, it, it just, it, it just is. And I know the Titans have won what four or so in a row. Uh, you know, we can't even talk about that when, you know, the Colts beat us 50 times in a row. I don't know what it was, you know, <laughs> doing the, the luck and Manning era. I, I, we didn't win a game. So a lot has changed since then. And so if it becomes a little stable, it'll be interesting to see where these uh, two teams, you know, where they go direction wise. I think this is a pivotal game. I think more so probably. I don't know if you can say either side. I think this is a pivotal game for both sides because it could tell you the direction of which which way you're going to go from here on out because the Titans have a gauntlet of a schedule after this. They haven't even hit the hard part yet. So uh, this this one this one's probably a must win for the Colts as well. So that's why I think this is going to be a really, really good game. Speaking of the stakes, right, you have the Titans at 3-2, and two, the Colts 3-2-1. and one. I know it's only week seven, so you still have, you know, 10 more games to go. And for the Titans, 11 yeah. more games to go after this. So it's a long way to go. But do you kind of get the sense, because at least I do going into this game, the winner of this game is in the front runner, front running position to win this division. I completely agree. And I think that's the most important thing about this game. And a lot of people aren't referencing that way, at least nationally. Uh, but I do in the AFC South. Uh, is always going to be, you know, Colts, Titans, uh, you know, at this point in time, based off the last, you know, handful of years. So we shall see. But, yeah, I think this tells you the trajectory and who wins this uh, division. Yep. Because, I mean, it's, it's weird because 
you play in these games early in the season and not later or have a big gap where usually at the end of the season, you know, you're playing, you know, somebody like, you know, the Colts at week 10, 11 or 12 to decide on who wins the AFC South. So they're going to be watching each other's records and AFC, you know, uh, wins and losses throughout the season, even after this game, regardless of who wins. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Last one for me. Uh, did this first meeting kind of jumpstart Derrick Henry a little bit? I know he had 114 yards, came out and had another 100-yard game against Washington. Do you feel like the run game is, is back where it needs to be for Tennessee? Yeah, I, I want to say it is. And, I, you know, jumpstarting um, Derrick Henry, I, I, you know, and then everybody was saying, you know, that's where he played. He had to get over to him. Derrick Henry was always back. He, he never left, really, besides being injured. Uh, you could see it at practice. So, uh, I think the offensive line, as far as run blocking, is getting better. You got three new pieces there, and they keep band-aiding with different guys getting injured. Uh, with Lawan now out, you know, three new starters, uh, so they're they're more fit to be run blockers than pass blockers. Uh, so if you want to give it that, to, with the with the couple of the guys anyway who are really backups in this league, uh, so. I think they got to feed Henry, kind of control the clock, be conservative. That's what Brable's style is, and let the defense. And this is where I think he's going to have to put up some points because I think the Colts are going to put up some points. Uh, they've shown some holes in the secondary. They're last in pass defense in the National Football League. I don't care where else you're good at. That is not a good sign right there, especially with, with Pierce and Pittman coming into town, let alone Campbell all of a sudden is woken up, and there he goes. We all know he has ability. Uh, so, uh, and then you throw in the two running backs coming back and Taylor and I, I mean, man, they, they, they are always going to be formidable with that group. And, uh, so just a matter if Matty ice has enough time to get rid of the ball. So yeah, this, this is, a, this is going to tell who's going to lead down the road of confidence that they're going to take over the mantle, uh, of the division of AFC South. Let's wrap up with this, Blake, because you mentioned before, and one of the themes for the Titans season this year has been their second-half struggles. I mean, they're getting outscored, uh, when I looked up, 71-14. to 14. And I kind of want to harp on the 14 from the Titans' perspective because at least for the last few years, we've seen Derrick Henry get off to slower starts in the game, and he's a guy who gets better as the game gets later on. And the fact that the Titans have scored just two touchdowns in the second half so far through five games – what are you seeing with this offense where, again, for the last few years when they've kind of been in their heyday, they've been an offense that gets better as the game goes on. Why is it that now they're getting off to, let's say, better starts in the first half, and then come the second half, they can't do anything? Again, the first matchup, they got one first down in the second half. That was it. And it was the final one to salt away the game. Other than that, they haven't been really able to do much so far in the second half. Can you point to one thing that for why that is? Not one thing, but I think it's a combination of things. First and foremost – uh, this team is not as good as last year's team as far as just talent. It's just not. That's just where they're at. Uh, now, they come out in the second half. They'll do things. They have to play everything close to the best. So they'll make a mistake here, a holding penalty. They get behind the chains. And I, I think then they go into conservative mode if they feel like they have a game in hand. And this is probably the only critique that's kind of critical of Vrabel. I just think uh, he, he makes the offensive of play caller – be conservative and say we'll win it defensive wise and then you're letting other the other team get back in the game because you know they're playing to win and you're playing not to actual lose instead of continue to play to win and do the things that you've done to get there 
Uh, now, sometimes they're, they're big plays here or there, but players know when the play call comes in, whether you're on offense or defense, you know what's expected. And you go, well, hey, man, we're going to open up this thing. You know, let's throw the ball. So I think they're missing that big playability, and eventually it's going to haunt them uh, down the road. And uh, they've been fortunate at this point in time uh, to be where they are with the, the record. Uh, so big playability, explosive plays have cost them on, on defense. And then offensively, they've gotten too conservative or they're, they're making mistakes with penalties to move them back or turnovers and getting the other team back in the game. Uh, and you can't do that. You got to still play to win. What, what, what's the worst thing happening? To me, that sounds like you don't trust your quarterback or mm-hmm. you're just that conservative and you're a defensive minded coach and you want to just uh, you know, let's beat the time, let the time tick and we'll win this game. But that, that, that never works all the time that you can't, you can't play like that. So, and it may be because they just don't have the personnel and he knows it. he just won't ever admit it because, you know, I don't know how much personnel control he actually has, but this team is nowhere good as last year's team. And trading is a brown way too. Yeah. Does yeah, not they help have no explosion. Yeah they, yeah. they have no big playability. They, you know, and Burks is out. He got hurt against you guys. Uh, in the first game with his toe, uh, so and then Lawan. I mean, they and then linebackers. They 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 have injuries all over the place, and guys keep missing. And you know, I know it's going around the league, but the Titans have to be leading the NFL in injuries again. Uh, so, yeah, this is. I, I I have a bad feeling about this game from the Titans' perspective. Uh, I've said that on my show. I just. I, that hurry up. I, I, if they run that hurry up, this is going to be a doozy. Yep. So let's finish them this way. And last question for you. So you're nervous about this game from the Titans' perspective. Obviously, they did win in week four in Indy. So can you finish mm-hmm. the sentence for me then? The Titans win on Sunday if? <sighs> wow. If they uh, naturally, it's always going to be the same recipe. They ball control and then get after the quarterback and create some turnovers. That, that, that's it. That's, that's what Vrabel wants. That you could say that every game. They're, this team is built around Derrick Henry running the freaking football and letting the front four get after the quarterback. That's it. I mean, they got a hole at corner. They 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 don't. They have no idea what they can do at corner. That nothing like the, the the you know the first round pick. You know he's two ACLs and two back surgeries, and he only played two years, and he hasn't even been out there playing and has done a horrible job. Unfortunately for him. He's not the same player he was when he got drafted, and he needs to go through a whole speed program and what he can and can't do now compared to what he did in college. So they don't have an answer over there. So I'm interested to see what they do. They better double every person they have over there. Then they have a veteran guy they picked up who, you know, he's been solid, you know, considering the positions he's in, but he, he's not a starter in the National Football League. Well, Blaine, appreciate you coming back behind enemy lines. I'm sure Colts fans are excited to hear your voice, not just because you provide great insight, but also, too, there's a little bit of a trend so far in the Blue Horseshoe pod, Blaine. Colts and Jaguars uh, have played twice so far. The first time we had Marcel Robinson on, the Colts lost. Second time we had him on, the Colts won. Now we have you on the first time the Colts-Titans played. They lost. Now you're back. We'll see if the trend can continue. I don't know about you. I'm not too superstitious. I am a little stitious. So for those Colts fans out there that are superstitious, I'm sure they're extra excited to have you on. So thanks so much for coming behind enemy lines once again. Appreciate it. I am superstitious. And if the Titans don't make halftime adjustments, they will lose. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just like having another Ball State guy on. Chirp, chirp. Cardinals coming back every week right now. Great run for Ball State. No doubt about it. Chirp, chirp. Thank you, Blaine. Appreciate it, guys. As always. As always, download, like, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So we do appreciate it and thank Blaine for jumping on, jumping on, 
for the second time right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Join us to preview the Titans. And George, I think it's really interesting before we give our pick here for the game is when you talk about the Titans and why they've been so bad in the second half, which is kind of uncharacteristic for this team compared to the past few years. It's interesting you hear Blaine kind of talk about the conservative nature of Mike Vrabel and how it almost sounds like he doesn't really trust the offense whatsoever. You kind of got that feeling you never kind of trusted Ryan Tannehill anyway, in general, even when this offense was humming. And now you see with the injuries, with Derrick Henry, you know, struggling or not getting as hot and A.J. Brown gone. Again, it's all the more important for the Colts to jump out to it early because if you can get that lead in the second half, it doesn't sound like Mike Vrabel trusts his offense that they'll be able to come back in this game and win it. It's fascinating to hear him say that. Yeah, well, and look where Vrabel comes from. You know, I mean, he, he was with Steelers and the Chiefs a little bit, but the majority of his career is with the Patriots. And really, Bill Belichick played that way. He just trusted Tom Brady as anybody would. I think he's doing the same thing. He's 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 using the Belichick formula, but understanding he doesn't have Tom Brady under center. Right, and it's a smart man, but it just highlights the the uber importance for the Colts to get off to a hot start because, again, I think either way, George, I think it's safe to say, especially, and I think Blaine hit the nail on the head, it sounds like either way in Sunday, the one thing we can expect is the Titans will not do much in the second half. Whether they're up like they were in the Week 4 game or they are, you know, in a close game here against the Colts where the Colts may have a lead or, again, they're within one score, it does not sound like this is going to be a, an offense that's going to win the game. It sounds like Mike Verb, like you said, is going to want to win the game on his defense, even with a defense that's banged up and struggling mighty, mightily so far in some areas. He'll still go with that because it's, it's what he knows best. But I hope Frank Reich is listening. I hope, you know, they, they see that kind of game plan and say, all right, fine. We're going to make sure, kind of beat him to the punch to kind of get ahead here and uh, and take advantage of, of this very conservative, awful Titan second half team where, again, they're outscored 71-14 to 14 in their last game before the bye. They did need um, to hold on. They needed a, a game-saving interception at the goal line to beat Carson Wentz to the Commanders. Really quick here, George, because I just brought the bias. It has sparked a thought here. How concerned are you concerned um, at all with the Titans coming off of bodies? Does that give them an advantage at all? Because our great producer, Bill, was able to throw us this nugget here earlier today. And that was that not only is Mike Vrabel 4-0 coming off the bye uh, as since he's been the head coach of the Titans, he's also, anytime he's gotten eight or more days of rest, this Titans team is 8 and one. So they've been a very good team where anytime they have extra rest, a Thursday night game or a Sunday coming off a Thursday night game or off a bye, this team has been very, very good uh, when they get a few extra days to repair. Is that going to have a big impact, you think, on this matchup? I think it could. I mean, I think Vrabel is definitely an X factor in this series. You look at when this Titans Colts rivalry turned around, it's when he took over as the head coach down there. Uh, you know, he was one of the finalists here. I think that's one of the the kind of odd things in here was him and Josh McDaniels back in the day uh, for that spot. And obviously the Colts chose poorly and uh, paid a price for that. And we're lucky to end up with Frank Reich instead. But uh, when you look at, at Mike Vrabel and, and his preparation, I, I definitely think now, I think the Colts threw a wrench into that with what they did Sunday against Jacksonville. They gave them a little more to prepare for, made it a little bit tougher week than it might've been. Uh, you know, under ordinary circumstances. But th those are numbers I can't ignore. The one loss, though, was the last time they had an eight-day break, the playoffs last year. So, you know, who knows? We'll see how that And goes. what happened in that game, George? Ryan Tannehill, three picks. That is not part of the winning formula. They turned the ball over. They really cannot survive. And that was even a game where Derrick Henry returned, didn't do much. You're right. It's, I, it's very simple. 
Don't turn the ball over. Get a, for a turnover, too. Like you mentioned, this should go well. But uh, you made a great point, too. The Colts kind of deviating from the norm last week against the Jaguars really kind of should get Mike Vrabel nervous. And also, too, like I said, just really kind of throw, you know, or make game plan this week even more difficult than it normally would be with so much familiarity and such a short turnaround going from week four to week seven where they just played two weeks ago. And here they are right away. The Titans have only played one game since the Colts. So it's kind of crazy. That two last three games will be against Indy, but you're right. It's kind of almost, in theory, hopefully, at least two different cold scenes what we saw from week four to what we'll see in week number seven. Speaking of, George, week number seven, let's get to our picks. We are one and five so far in the season. We've been all over this Colts team. They're in Nashville on Sunday. The Colts are two and a half point underdogs. What is your official game pick here, Colts-Titans? I don't think they covered all year. I think they're 0-6 on cover, so I should definitely take Tennessee, I feel like. Holy uh, cow. But, but I I am I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in this team. I don't know why. I went back and forth most of the week on this. I'm gonna go Colts 23 to 20, Chase McLaughlin at the end with a field goal. I am also going to go Colts. I think we've agreed on almost every pick, which is never oh. good because I think that's that's part of the reason why we're one in five. But I'm going to go the Colts as well. I'm going to say 27-23. I think you get a little more offense this week than in weeks past. It's not going to be the 34-point explosion, I think, that we saw last week. But I think the formula will continue. Take advantage of this week's secondary. It's going to be a huge boost to get John Taylor back. But again, the formula and the game plan should not change last week to this week. And I think the Colts do go into Nashville, get the win, and really kind of cement their status right now as a team to be in the AFC South. Going forward, 4-2-1. and one. This is going to obviously be a pivotal game, but I'm with you. I think the Colts right now, it's dangerous to say this. I'm going to believe that they can carry over what they did last week, for the most part, into this week. Hopefully the, the rush defense, or lack thereof, stays in last week. It doesn't carry over as well. Uh, but the Colts have never really put two good games together. Let alone, I mean, forget two good games. They haven't put two good halves together so far at any point this season. So it's kind of dangerous to think they'll put two good games together. But with that said, I think they do go into Tennessee. I'm going to say 27-23, so lower scoring, still close. You're going 23-20, so same thing. Close game here, divisional round. But we should be sitting here, George, Sunday after the game with a Colts win, sitting there at 4-2-1, and and just like we thought, praising them after their 0-1-1 start, like we thought we would after Week 7, saying, wow, Uh. this Colts team is a lot different and a legitimate contender. Colts fans, we do have some exciting and fun news. Sunday, we will be going live after the game, win or loss. We will be doing the Blue Horseshoe Pod live on Twitter. I believe on YouTube as well. We'll try to get that sorted out, but definitely on Twitter. So make sure you follow us either at GM Bremer. That is George's Twitter handle or mine is at Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three. George will be boots on the ground in Nashville. He'll get the feel uh, in the postgame locker room as well, which hopefully is a joyous one, George. But history also has shown you recently. It could be a very somber one. It could be a very uh, somber one as one, but should be fun. And it should be one where I think the reactions, George, will be very strong. Either this Colts yep. team is legit or kind of here we go again. Yeah, I think this is, we've said this a couple times, I think this is yet another point in the season where you're going to find out a lot about this football team. Uh, I think this is really going to tell you a lot about them moving forward. Hopefully Colts fans aren't going to the honky-tonks to drown their sorrows afterwards. <laughs> uh, we'll have to wait and see how it turns out down there. Um, you know, they've had some some good fortune. I think they're, they're pretty close to 500 recently down there in Nashville. I know that the, the Titans have won five of the last six overall, but the Colts' one win was in Tennessee. So 
We'll see how that goes. I think it's been, what, 2018 to get into the playoffs, 2019 with Jacoby Brissett uh, early in the season, and then 2020 with Philip Rivers. So they've won three of the last four in Nashville. And this is one of the final times, George, too, you'll be baking the sun. The dome is coming. So one of the final times you'll be out there uh, all natural and no no coverage for sure. Wow. Got to gotta make sure you, you enjoy that at good old <laughs> Nissan Stadium. I'm going so to miss that press box. I was just going to throw that out. They have one of the better press boxes. It's like really? on the, the club level there. So, like, you're really close. I'm going to miss that press box. I want to throw that out there. Well, you th- I would assume. I mean, I haven't seen any, any construction, but you'd assume, George, right? That the press box would be even, you should be even nicer once a no, new dome sure. stadium was built. So, just think if it's good now, maybe it would be even better with a brand new stadium. That's, That's always a priority. They'll forget to put one in to the, to the new stadium. Forget player comfort. Forget fan comfort. It's all about the press. How can oh, we make yeah. sure the press is most convenient and most pampered first? Everyone else is secondary. That's that's That should be the motivation I heard. Absolutely. <laughs> I second that. So appreciate you, Colts fans, for, for joining in here to another Blue Horseshoe Pod again. We will be live Bare minimum Twitter. We're hoping for for YouTube and Facebook as well after the Titans game. So make sure you check us out. We'll be pumping it up all weekend as well on social media to give you an instant reaction to either what is a great Colts win or just an awful, awful Colts loss. So have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. And we'll talk to you after the game right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.